1: see, God is very concerned about life. And in fact, as we go through all of this, you're going to see the the wonderful grace of God. He had it all planned out. He didn't tell Moses and the children of Israel, look, you guys are going to create a government and you've got to figure it out. Just have, just get together, all the wisdom, all these men, and just you guys just write it down. Just think of something and just put it all together. God didn't give them that latitude. He says, no, I'm going to tell you because I know man. I created man. I know what is in man, and I'm going to tell you how it should be. There won't be any ifs, ands, or buts, there won't be any uh, uh, filibusters, there won't be any uh, nonsense. It's gonna be God's way. How can I keep it from shouting your name?
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. As we journey through chapter 21 of the book of Deuteronomy, we learn that God is gracious to explain His rules to the nation of Israel instead of leaving them to try to formulate a government and regulations on their own. Our God wishes that we live within His will, and He is loving and gracious enough to dictate His will to us through His Holy Spirit and His Word. That's why it's important for us as Christians to strengthen our relationship with Jesus every day through prayer and spending time in his word. Let's join Pastor Rob with our lesson for today.
1: You know, he was guilty (laughs) because he let them do it, but he, he tried to absolve himself from any wrongdoing by going through some kind of ritual, but it didn't work. But I love the symbolism of it because it says in Hebrews, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And so as we go through Deuteronomy, we're going to see these pictures, and they ought not to escape our minds because they are very... They're, very, they're there for, on purpose. God puts them in there because he's basically saying, remember when Jesus said, Behold, in the volume of the book it is written of me, on every page you can find some facet, some, something about Jesus in here in the Old Testament through the, the coverings of the temple, through the sacrifices, they all point to him. It says in verse 5 here in Deuteronomy 21, it says, Then the priests, the sons of Levi, they shall come near, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. For their very word, or by their every word, controversy and every assault shall be settled. And you know, there's nothing really better than the family of God having to be in the place of being a judge. I mean, if you think about it. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that even in our Supreme Court and everything like that, I hope that there are believers in that Supreme Court. But wouldn't it be wonderful? Think of how different things would be if believers, if the whole you know, SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, can you imagine what would happen if they were all born again believers? And in as much as they were digging into their law books, they were reading the Word of God. Can you imagine? They would have the best we'd have the best government on the earth because they would be going by the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. But that that is not the case, unfortunately. But every word would be settled by these Levites. And all the elders, verse 6, of that city nearest to the slain man, they shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck has been broken. And you know, when you think of this, you know, these men, they were innocent of the blood guiltiness of this person. And when you think upon this, it reminds me back in the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve had sinned, what did God do? He took the the blood of an animal. He slaughtered an animal. God unilaterally slaughtered an animal for the sin of Adam and Eve. And we know that he did that because he took skins of the animal. It doesn't mention the act of what God did. He said he took the skins of an animal. Well, if you take the skins of an animal, that animal first has to die. Otherwise, it could be really crazy. How are you going to take the skin of an animal that's still alive? I mean, think of that goose chase, God trying to run around the garden, trying to grab a hold of this thing. It's not going to happen. (laughs) I think crazy things like that. And you get to hear them. Aren't you blessed? Just nod your head, yes. We are blessed. But that is why God slaughtered that animal. And blood was shed on their behalf. These leaders. Now, the slayer could have been from another town and that 's okay because nobody knew who the slayer was, but the, 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 the town that was closest to this body, those elders would take responsibility and I like that too. I like the idea of a community taking responsibility. Would to God that we did more of that today but unfortunately, it seems like we 've gotten complacent and lazy, even as people as americans it 's somebody else 's problem i don 't go to the town hall meetings that 's somebody else 's thing i 'm going to stay out of politics well. You know, there's probably a time and a place to stay out of things like that, but you know, I don't think we should always bury our head in the sand either, because things are being passed in our cities and towns that we're we're just allowing to fly by, and we're not even aware of what's going. There's no uh, there's no voice that's uh, representing Christ. Where's God in that? <laughs> and yet we. Just let it go. And, you know, how is it that, you know, even in our state, our wonderful state of New York, how is it that there can be passed a law that babies still in the womb can be killed and even after birth can be killed? And it's okay. It's not okay. God calls it murder. But the fact that a community took charge... And they took it upon themselves. It was their responsibility. And what do they say in verse 7? Then they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, nor have our eyes seen it. Provide atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have you have redeemed. And do not lay innocent blood to the charge of your people Israel. And atonement shall be provided on their behalf for the blood. I love the word atonement. The first mention of this word is in Genesis chapter 6. But the idea of atonement is to purge or to reconcile, to pacify, and uh, to cancel, to expiate. That's what it means, to forgive, to cleanse, to disannul, to appease. And the first time we hear it, I think it's kind of interesting, is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. You remember when it says, God told... To Noah, he said, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood and make rooms in the ark and cover it. The, word, the same word for atonement that we're reading in this verse is the same word back in here in Genesis 6. He says, And cover it. The word cover literally means to atone. To cover it inside and outside with pitch. So there's a slimy mortar that they're going to put on the outside of the ark and on the inside. And obviously that makes sense to keep the water from coming in in between those boards. To cover to make, to appease, to, to conceal, to hide, to keep out. And I love the fact that God is concerned about life. He's concerned about righteousness. And he says in verse 9 here, So you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. And isn't that what our joy is, to do right? You know, isn't it a wonderful thing to do right? Right to know what God says and then to do it. Isn't there a wonderful feeling that you have in your heart? I know I do. When I do something right, it's a miracle. (laughs) And when I do something right, I have the immediate witness that I've done what is good. Even when I get the business back from someone who doesn't like me, even though I did the right thing, suffering, you know, I mean, we don't really suffer, but if somebody's angry at you because you did the right thing, you know, doesn't the Bible say that the God of the the, the the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you because you suffered for the name of Christ? I mean, you may not have suffered with blood, but you've been ridiculed. You've been persecuted in a light fashion. But you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you. And see, God is very concerned about life. And in fact, as we go through all of this, you're going to see the, the wonderful grace of God. He had it all planned out. He didn't tell Moses and the children of Israel, look, you guys are going to create a government and you've got to figure it out. Just have, just get together all the wisdom, all these men, and just, you guys just write it down. Just think of something and just put it all together. God didn't give them that latitude. He says, no, I'm going to tell you because I know man. I created man. I know what is in man, and I'm going to tell you how it should be. There won't be any ifs, ands, or buts. There won't be any uh, uh, filibusters. There won't be any uh, nonsense. It's going to be God's way, And I like God's way. Do you like God's way? (laughs) God's way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way, the only truth, the only life, right? But if you recall, even as Jesus was standing before Pilate, In Matthew 27, it says, When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, and remember, he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. What a cop-out. And here is a man who was a man-pleaser, and he was just pleasing the Jews because he didn't want to stir up any uh, ire so that his uh, authority might come into a question from Rome. So then he released Barabbas to them, who was a murderer and a seditionist. And when he had scourged Jesus, you know, he was just a just man, but yet we're going we're gonna to take the cat of nine tails and go after him with it, right? Does that sound like something you do to an innocent man, a just man, that Pilate said was a just man? This man is a just, I find no nothing wrong with him. In fact, Herod found the same, nothing wrong with him, but we're going to scourge him anyway, and then we'll deliver him to you. And what did the people answer? They said, his blood be on us and our children. Prophetic, wasn't it? Because the Jews at that time, they accepted the blood guiltiness of their putting Jesus to death. They accepted it. They wanted him dead, and they would, they, they, they would be willing to pay the price. They would be guilty for doing it. They hated him so much, and they thought he was against God, and he was bad for business, Jesus was. They were envious. They were jealous of him. They had to kill him. And, the, and, and they were going to take it upon themselves. And it's interesting, though, that for those Jews who would later come to Christ as Savior, certainly his blood indeed would cover their sins. Isn't that wonderful to think that God would love them enough to do that? And yet for the others, one day they would be guilty of the blood of the Son of God. Can you imagine standing before God and you were there? And you were one of those chief priests, one of those Pharisees, and you're saying, we will not have this man rule over us. Crucify him, crucify him, and then to stand before God Almighty, and then the Lamb who was slain standing there right next to him. doesn't look too good. You better have a really good attorney, a really good attorney. You better have a lot of bail money. You've got to have some bondsmen on the side. It's going to take a lot of cash to get you out of this wrinkle, buddy. And yet no cash, no privilege is going to allow you to escape the judgment of the fiery wrath of God. Can you imagine? God doesn't wish that upon anyone, but there are people who will spend an eternity in eternal flame because of their, dis- their disobedience to God, their hatred of him. So we get into verse 10 here in verse chapter 21, and it talks about female captives. He says, When you go out to war against your enemies, and the Lord your God delivers them into your hand, and you take them captive, and you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you desire her and would take her for your wife, then you shall bring her home to your house, and she shall shave her head and trim her nails. Again, remember, this is not the women that we were looking at uh, of in, in chapter 20, remember, in verses uh, 16 through 18, remember those those cities that they were going to inherit, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, that whole people group were going to be exterminated, okay? That, that's not what this is talking about. This is for anyone else other than those six or seven nations that God says, I want you to go in to destroy everything that breathes. This, what we're reading now, is for any other skirmish that they might come into. Just remember that. He says, she shall put off her clothes of her captivity and remain in your house and she'll mourn for her father and her mother a full month and after that you may go into her and be her husband and she shall be your wife. Do you notice the compassion? I mean, what God is there that is over a people that claims to be their God that is this compassionate? I mean, you look in the history of wars and this is not the case. The history of war is horrible. Horrible. They'll just go in and they'll kill everybody. They'll rape the women. They'll slaughter the kids. They have no concern for anything or anybody. You know, how many of our wars in America were like that? Did the generals of those men going into Vietnam, did they tell them, listen, just take out the guys but leave the women and the children? Did they? I don't know. And again, I'm, not, I'm just saying that the, 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 the wickedness of man, and this, and this can be in any country, in any ethnic group, it doesn't matter. When you're in the middle of war, it is war. And unless you're given specific direction, you're going to do some wicked things that you'll regret later. But notice the compassion of of God on these women and how they had lost family. You know, These women have lost their husband, and, and God allows them to mourn. I mean, bless your enemies. Isn't that what he's doing? He's blessing them. He's not wishing them evil. He's not treating them harshly. He's saying... Let them mourn a full month. Let them mourn a full month. Let them grieve for heaven's sakes. And then by your compassion and love for that person, whatever it may be, then you can take her as your wife. But notice, you know, and notice that, 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 that never forget that God is a God of love and a God of grace. And never think that you are more understanding and more loving than God is. He is omniscient. We are not. He knows the bigger picture. We do not. Verse 14, it says, And it shall be, if, if he have no delight in her, then you shall set her free, but you certainly shall not sell her for money. You shall not treat her brutally, because you have humbled her. Again, notice that even in the event of war, when the captors are taken, that God cares about these people. And God's people are to value life and the dignity of a person. Is there any other God that's like that? Is the God of Islam like that? to honor life, to have a value for life, they'll kill their own people. I don't know if you know this, but it's been uncovered a number of times. You'll never see it on the news. But whenever Israel, whenever Gaza, for instance, will throw a bunch of bombs over into Israel, and Israel will go in, and they know exactly where a lot of things are. they got really good intelligence. They know exactly where they're launching them from. And what they'll do, what the Palestinians will do, is they will put kids, they will launch these things on the top of schools. They'll put the lo- rocket launchers on top of a school of their own children, and then when Israel bombs it, then they show pictures of uh, m- maybe a child was was killed. And you know, not necessarily that thing. They'll they'll even fake things. They'll put ketchup or something on a child and lay him in the street, and he's just act like you're dead. And and this is what Israel did, and they do that all the time. They launch them from hospitals, elderly places where the elderly are. They do this all the time. And why? Because they want to give a black eye on on, on Israel. But notice that God cares about the value of life and the dignity of people. The devil doesn't value life or human dignity, and neither do those who are controlled by Satan. You know, there are many people in the world who are serving a God of religion who has no value for life. And in doing what they do, they expose the source of that deity that they serve. Because like I said, the God of Islam, he's capricious. One day I'm this way and the next day I'm different. And I'm just, the rules are kind of slippery. They kind of bend. I just kind of make them up as I go. That's the way it is for Islam. And they will kill you if you don't agree with him. Just for not agreeing. You can disagree with God. He's not going to kill you. I mean, ultimately, if you take your last breath and you haven't confessed your sin, there's going to be problems. But he, he lets you live. He lets you live. It was reported um, you know, and there are governments like this, you know, even Israel, when they were under the bondage of Rome, it was reported that Caesar Augustus, on hearing of herod 's execution of his own sons and one of his sons, Antipater, he made this pun that he would rather be herod 's pig than herod 's son, because there was no value of life, the romans didn 't value life, and yet God values life, and that 's what this whole thing is about. What we're reading tonight is God's showing and, and, and giving examples and saying, "This is what you do in this situation." You know, if you see this woman that you, she's really beautiful, and you, you're going to war with this city, and everyone's dead in her family, and she's there by herself, and you you want to be with her, take her into your home, let her mourn for a month, and then take her to be your wife. But if you don't want her to have her be your wife, then let her go. And don't harm her. Don't do anything to her. Let her go. Does that sound like a God of grace? It sounds like a God of grace to me. That's the God we serve. And see, that's what's so fantastic about all of this that we're reading. It's just God's love and his laws and his government that he's setting up, his theocracy. Would the God that we had a theocracy. Things would be so much different. One day there's going to be a theocracy. When Jesus comes back on the throne, <laughs> there's going to be a theocracy. You know, I can't wait for that day. And, I, and I'm looking forward to that day not just so that all the enemies of God, will, their jaw will hit the ground and, and, and they'll be ashamed for you know, what they've done. And God doesn't delight in that either. I, could care, I don't really worry about that, but just to see him. The perfection, the the love, I mean, the embodiment of everything perfect. There's nothing more perfect than him. I mean, can you imagine being in the presence of God? Everything that he is is 100%, and it it defies description. Everything, every angle, every facet of his character is pristine and without sin. It's like a, a bright light that you can't even approach. I don't know about you, but that lifts me into a different place of worship, doesn't it, you? That's who we serve, and that's how he is to people. That's how he loves. I'm so thankful for him. And then it goes on in verse 15. It says, If a man has two wives, one loved and the other unloved, and they have borne him children, both the loved and the unloved, and if if the firstborn son is of her who is unloved, then it shall be on that day he bequeaths his possessions to his sons, that he must not bestow firstborn status on the son of the loved wife in preference to the son of the unloved, the true firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has, for he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Okay, and that's been the way it is in Israel from the very beginning. That was what it's supposed to be. Now, God, of course, has the right to intervene in that process at any time, and we've seen that in the biblical account. We've seen it with Isaac. You know, even though, uh, I'm sorry, even in Abraham. Well, we'll start with Abraham first, you know, with Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was born out of unbelief. Abraham and Sarah were too old. Sarah says, you know, just take my handmaid, Hagar. I'm too old. So he does. He does. That's one place where you don't listen to your wife, Abraham. Don't listen to her. So we listen to her, and we know what happened. But you know what? Even though Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn, in a sense, God chose Isaac. He chose Isaac for reasons we don't understand. Now, does that mean that Ishmael was was poor and, and uncared for? No, God cared for Ishmael and his his line. He cared for them. They were very prosperous. But the promise would come through Isaac and his seed. Not only the land of Israel and all that it encompassed, but also the fact that you know, their seed would be innumerable as the sand of the sea. And through their line would come the Messiah, the Anointed One. That promise was given through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then you look at Isaac. What about Isaac and Rebekah? She has two sons, Esau and Jacob, and Esau comes out first. He's the firstborn. Jacob comes after second. And what does the Bible say? That the older would serve the younger. Esau would ultimately serve Jacob. And we'll see that even in the millennial reign. We'll see that um, throughout history. But even though Esau was the firstborn, God chose Jacob and had given him the promises that he gave to Isaac and to his grandfather Abraham. God has the right to intervene in this process of his own rule that he made. He has the right to choose one and choose the other. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. But remember, God is fair. And I've said it before that God is fair.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.